Well, hello everyone, and uh, welcome to another cigar stream. I'm here with Carl. How are you doing, Carl? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Glad, glad you could join me from this uh, respite from the the hellhole that is <laughs> Twitter or X. That is getting viral tweets on Twitter. Uh, oh, it's just uh, man. Um, anyway, um, uh, welcome everybody, uh, Carl. For those <laughs> who don't know you, I can't imagine there are many. Uh, where can people find you and uh, do you have anything to promote? Uh, just lotuseaters.com and the podcast of the Lotus Eaters. And uh, I will just remind everybody uh, do buy my courses at the academic agency, buy it now. Trivium, probably your best one stop shop. If you just want to dip your toe in, Foundations of Research is only £50. That's a good one to get to start with, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, do get all the courses. Um, I don't know if you heard, Carl, but uh, I, I, a couple of weeks back, I, um, I, my car broke down, and I, I hired a mechanic who happened to be, uh, um, uh, let's just say he he enriches communities <laughs> wherever right, he goes. Yeah, yeah. So you've got <laughs> and, a diversity high uh, mechanic. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, I'm still scarred, even even though it's been like two weeks later. I've... What what kind of diversity are we talking about? Is he Polish? We're, we're talking um, kind of uh, the, you know in the Lizzo range, if you want oh, to put right, it that yeah. way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, literally excuses every day, like barefaced lied to me and the manager uh, in, in the park where oh. the uh, you know. Anyway, let, let's leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I, feel... <laughs> I can understand why you're angry. But 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 anyway, um, we are. Uh, going to be talking about an uh, interesting topic in a way, um, which is whether the woke is liberal. Now, I, I think this has become uh, kind of received wisdom in many quarters. I think a lot of people default to the thesis that the woke is is an offshoot of liberalism. Yeah. Um, I, I actually don't agree with this. And okay, um, I... Um, I uh, the only place I can really remember articulating it was uh, in full, was on a stream with um, my buddy Mike from Imperium Press, who yeah. published The Populist Illusion, Buy It Now, yeah. etc. And um, I thought I'd do a bit of an experiment, Carl, right? Okay. Which is that I have this seven-minute clip, right? But rather than play it in full, I want to see how long you can go before saying stop and wanting to interject. And we'll see... <laughs> I reckon it may take us sure. the entire stream to get through the seven minutes. <laughs> you want okay, to try that? Okay. Uh, we, um, we can, but before we yeah. before we do, um, well, yes. let's let's hear your thesis because I've I've spent a lot of time studying woke, and mm -hmm. I don't see how you could claim it wasn't liberal. So, well, I mean, th this is a thing. I can't really explain it any better than I did in this seven in this seven minute clip, and uh, the, you know when sometimes okay. you get the, all the words right. I thought I was, you know, I think. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I know exactly what you mean when you say that. I know exactly what yeah. you mean. Um, I, um, I feel like I can't. And then you've got to reformulate it, and you know you fucked it up. It wasn't as good as before. It, it, exactly. So yeah. I, I feel like in this clip, I kind of nailed exactly where I'm coming from on this. Okay. Um, and I, I noticed the last night you did a stream with Adam and Sitch, where you were yeah. basically saying that liberalism and communism were like two sides of the same coin. Uh, in, in, in a way, communism is made inevitable by liberalism. But yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I would say I generally agree with a lot of the stuff. I mean, I did a I did a series a couple of years back called 
was called something like critiques of libertarianism or it was like a whole yeah, I series i did I yeah. and um the way i phrased it was libertarianism is the handmaiden to socialism right yeah uh, which is true. which is basically the same idea right uh, you simple. put it a different way you said basically socialism follows liberalism around which is yeah kind of co true, communism but... is an unfulfilled promise that liberalism made and uh it will never be able to fulfill so communism will always rear its ugly head right um <clears throat> okay so i'm gonna start this clip and um you know the way we'll do it carl if you want to interject just say stop and i'll, okay. I'll stop it and you can you can say something if we get through the, the full seven minutes without any interjections I will then let you go on a, on a, on, a, on a kind of rebuttal monologue if you want. Okay. I can't help but feel this is going to be something like the Obama meme of him giving himself the medal. But I see I, the thing is, is that I do realize that the, the kind of take I'm giving is a little bit counterintuitive because I, I feel like even people who followed my work, would would assume that I basically agree that woke is downstream from lib from liberalism, but but I, but I actually don't I actually don't see it that way. So let, let me uh, let me let me play it. Hold on, mm -hmm. a little bit with his uh, this so called GNC uh, idea, right? Uh, which and I should have said by the way, Chatter reminded me. Congratulations on your completing your studies and your oh degree. thank you. Yeah, for for anyone wondering, I recently completed a degree in philosophy, um, which is why I know a lot of the stuff I'm going on about. Um, took did you four years. I did it remotely. Didn't meet a single professor. <laughs> Don't even know where the campus is, to be honest. Did you um, write about John Locke? Yeah, yeah, I did actually. Great. Okay. I uh, I, I was trying to tell people that I have a book where I literally went through liberal. Um, philosophy 101 it's called the defenders of liberty i wrote it yeah four four five years ago and yeah, um and uh and, and unfortunately uh <laughs> you literally it's, wrote it's, a book called that what defenders of liberty yeah yeah and, and i literally i mean it was my attempt to synthesize kind of hard-boiled yeah. realism i'm just teasing i'm just teasing and uh and liberalism i was trying to kind of save it through the back door but yeah. uh, in, in the end, the power of the anti-liberal arguments uh, won me over. But um, yeah. I, I, I was trying to—I I want to get that book re-released by Mises Institute because I think it would be a good resource for anyone who's ever searching it. Because it's like a hundred quid to buy. It's just really? you know nobody can afford. Yeah, nobody can afford to buy it. Um, mm. So when that happens, the book just kind of dies. You know, it kind of yeah, disappears. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. All right, let's let's continue. Let's continue. I, I I guess what I'm saying is, Carl, is that um, I do actually kind of know the background of liberalism myself as well. I guess yeah, what I'm saying, you know, uh, I assume you did. It also relates back to a conversation I had with Paul Gottfried a couple of weeks ago about the origins of woke. Right now, to me, what a liberalism that is more consistent with itself. That is more truly liberal is actually MAGA, right? The end point of liberalism is the MAGA rally where <laughs> people 
where basically the great unwashed plebs in their red in their red caps black white straight gay trannies all all of them together right dancing to village people cheering on as their hero trump comes on the stage right who is a man who's had what several divorces who is kind of a little bit kind of as anything goes in his you know he's does a bit of banter and so on he's you know he shoots from the hip um and he kind of to me represents something truer to the liberalism that we grew up with to the liberalism that i grew up with uh of you know the america of south park the america of jerry springer the america of bloody pro wrestling and all, all of the other thing that with that we grew up with seems to me to be embodied in in what maga is right which is let me make no two bones about this now the most pro-black most pro-gay <laughs> most democratic egalitarian movement that america's ever seen genuinely i i believe that okay don't believe the press's lies because i truly believe that if we got a, together a group of the leading populist youtubers mike right and me and you sat down with them on a panel for three hours and went through like abc's I reckon they'd be screeching at us as badly as any SJW. They they wouldn't accept our stuff on race. They wouldn't accept our oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. On, uh, you know, I I think we would trigger them almost more than we trigger, um, you know, a wokester who who is already who comes into the conversation thinking that somebody like me is a fascist already, right? Yeah. Um. Now. So so that being the case. First of all, Carl, do you agree with that statement about what is MAGA a liberal movement? <clears throat> and 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 also that if I if you know me or Mike from Imperium sat down with a typical person from a MAGA rally or some of the leading intellectuals of that, I say intellectuals of the you know whatever MAGA is, mm -hmm. that um, they they'd be screeching at us when you know as soon as we started getting into. Uh, any you know race or um any of those kinds of things that you know any kind of genuinely illiberal ideas basically that they wouldn't be happy that they you know they they'd be calling us fascists as well um no i don't think they'd be calling you fascists um i think that you are right the magra is a liberal movement the magra is a kind of realist liberal movement and their response would be a it doesn't matter i don't care they wouldn't say it's not true or probably wouldn't say it's not true they would say it doesn't it's not relevant and so if you would say well that means that you're going to have a kind of hierarchy of inequality they'd say well so be it okay all right let's uh let's carry on then let's carry on the question is what is woke then is woke if you accept my premise that the end point of liberalism looks more like trump the in my idea woke is either an aberration which hence how it can be put away or it is a subversion from some non-liberal group 
and I, I pointed this out on Twitter. And now, one of my least favorite things in the world, by the way, is um, intellectual genealogy, right? Where you, <laughs> where you say, oh, you know, you pick up a copy of uh, Judith Butler's Gender Trouble, and you were like, oh, if it wasn't for John Jacques Rousseau, this book would never exist. <clears throat> I hate that sort of thing. It's just, it's just, it's always rubbish. It's always rubbish. It's well, like, hang on, oh, okay, you know, pause it there. Pause you know, <laughs> why why is it always rubbish because it makes intellectuals the prime movers in history um and i believe that most of the being a political realist i believe that most of the time power acts and then justifies itself rather than um you know I mean, I just don't believe that William of Orange was reading John Locke and therefore Glorious Revolution. I mean, no, come on. Well, you no, know. In, in that specific instance, we know that Locke wrote uh, his second treatise uh, after the Glorious Revolution to justify it. So Exactly. So, it, yeah, in that particular case. But the thing is, for example, with Rousseau, uh, he was very widely read in France before the French Revolution. And... I mean, they'd read him out on the street corners and stuff like that. So to suggest that he has no bearing on what happened is just wrong, I think. So what you're saying that people were reading John Locke on the street yeah. corners. Yeah, no, and, I remember... and this inspired things like the Glorious Revolution, the French Revolution. No, no, no. It came after the Glorious Revolution, but it definitely right. inspired the French Revolution. I mean, you, you can see this because Locke's for, uh, term the general will is codified in the rights of the declaration of the rights of man and citizen. Like it's a very specific mm. ideological phrase and it happens to also be in there. I so mean, the, the, to, to say that there's no legitimacy to intellectual genealogies, I think is just wrong. Um, there definitely is. So, so, so there's another example I have one, which I talk about in defense yeah. of Liberty and, and elsewhere, which is the repeal of the corn laws, right? Mm -hmm. They wanted to repeal the, 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 so-called Manchester liberals, people like uh, Bright and um, forget the name of the other one now, but um, what was his name? The famous one. Uh, Mill. Uh, no, hold on. It wasn't John Stuart Mill. It was uh, what was his name? Bright and the other one. I can't uh, remember. They, they they basically made this thing called the Anti Corn Law League. Cobden, Cobden and Bright, Richard Cobden and John Bright, right? Um, and literally this is something they wanted to do and they wanted to do it because they were industrialists and mm -hmm. the, um, the price of wheat was causing a problem for their workforce because like people couldn't afford to eat and things like this. Um, so, you know, they were campaigning pretty hard for this. And one of the things that really interests me is that the range of political opinions that justified the repeal of the corn laws went all the way on the one hand from thomas carlyle who was mm -hmm. certainly not a liberal right but he wanted the corn laws to be repealed yeah. to people like david ricardo who was literally called to generate economic arguments in front of parliament for mm -hmm. how to do it um and in fact uh, ricardo he was like yeah, we can't do it all at once. We need to do it by increments. Otherwise, you know, too many people are going to get fucked over, etc. And then there were, you know, other people saying, well, you know, and, but, but, but the point was, is that there was a political drive to do this because a new group that had come into power, the industrialists, you know, wanted to change the law. 
and then yeah. all of these arguments were generated in order to justify what was happening they weren't doing it because again they weren't doing it because they'd read john locke they were doing it because it was in their interest to repeal this law it was causing a problem for them i mean for, may, for them. maybe in that particular case but when it comes to uh the philosophical discussion around liberalism the intellectual genealogy does matter well, well it, it matters in terms of the history of ideas what i'm less convinced of is that it, it matters in terms of how these how these things manifest in reality in in terms of legal <laughs> changes in terms of the impact sure. of uh you know power in the world as sure power. okay well the the we can use the example of woke ideology itself because the ideology came before the power and the change go on well okay right so um Woke ideology is essentially the communists being angry that they lost the civil rights law um, to the liberals. Uh, and so you got th this is why the MAGA folks are totally fine with MLK's uh, content of the character formulation, mm -hmm. because that is what the, 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 the white American liberal in the 60s was happy with. They, they thought mm -hmm. that was correct. Uh, but the thing is, there's a, there was a faction of very hardline radicals communists who were not happy with that because of course what this did is cement a form of inequality that is outcome based rather than procedure based and so they spent a lot of time in harvard law school and elsewhere mm -hmm. uh, there's a particular person called derek bell who had what he called yeah i'm familiar with courts. him yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and he would he would um do this uh, until he was moved to another law school. I can't remember which one. But then his students basically just picked up and started hosting the course for themselves. And this was mm -hmm. the sort of germination point of critical race theory. Um, they, yeah. This moved on in the 80s, in the beginning of the 80s, to critical legal scholarship. Uh, mm -hmm. They, they abbreviated CLS, the critical legal scholars. But within that group, you saw the kind of woke revolution happen. And so the non-white members of that group all said, hang on, you're white? Why the fuck are we listening to you? And mm -hmm. from this is born what we call the critical race theorists. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's at the end of the 80s and beginning of the 90s that the term intersectionality is coined by Kimberly Crenshaw in her Mapping the Margins essay. And mm -hmm. you could read that, and it could it reads like it was written yesterday. Uh, and what, yeah. Yes, yeah. It's all the contemporary things that are happening now. And so it took about 30 years for that to percolate through academia and then into the mm -hmm. soft heads of students, as Bezmanov puts it. And mm -hmm. those students get into positions of power. So the ideology definitely came before the power did. You see, this is, I basically agree with your intellectual <clears throat> genealogy here. I agree it came out of kind of uh, quasi-Marxist or outright it wasn't marxist. even quasi-marxist i mean just outright marxist <clears throat> um yeah, yeah. You for know, some reason harvard, harvard law school would ink harvard law them. school i mean i agree and I, I, if at the end of the clip i go into some of this as well yeah where, where i disagree is the idea that the ideology came first and the, and the power came second i actually okay, believe that the reason that Derek Bell and all of these uh, all of these uh, critical race theorists were empowered to develop these ideas 
is because they were essentially already encoded in the civil rights law back in the 60s and that yes it is essentially a justification or a pushing to the logical end points or uh you could say uh teasing out the logical conclusion of what civil rights law put on the books in the first place um back in the 60s and in fact even before that there's a famous case called brown versus board in the 50s which yeah. i'm sure you're familiar with of course which, which, which basically said that um you know uh colleges couldn't be white only and that you know yeah. uh, a black kid was allowed to to go and i mean this is where you've got the famous cases of the american government literally marching yeah. kids to school yeah. with the army behind yeah. them right yeah. so the i guess what i'm saying is is that if you think about a lot of the debates that happen within woke about white only spaces black only spaces etc etc it was all, like the american government had already through its anti-segregation integrationalist brown versus board and the civil rights stuff it had already done that in action and it and the what we call woke is the working out of the kind of intellectual underpinning of what had already taken place in america um i mean yeah yeah, yeah the framing totally of martin luther king as a liberal as well is something <laughs> yeah. that you yeah, know like, i mean funny, i, I feel it? like uh how can i put this uh i mean i i feel like the those legal developments that i'm talking about in the 50s and 60s was essentially already the institution the institutionalization of what woke has become and they've only really had the intellectual framework around it since derek bell and, and friends basically well yeah. i mean we can we can see the exact development of the intellectual framework derek bell uh had the basis of it but it certainly wasn't developed in the way crenshaw did and it took them about 25 years to actually hit on the formula that would be able to break through the liberal inertia from the civil rights movement um but mm -hmm. you're you're basically right because for me what it seems you're describing is just um a series of uh incomplete logics within mm -hmm. civil rights law and but of course civil rights law is based on ultimately a, a form of liberalism and it, i would put that as the inflection point where the lockean liberalism of the american republic transitions into rousseauian liberalism as in because mm -hmm. what it what it effectively says is that black people have a right to access white people uh yes. and so there we go there, there's the beginning of your positive rights in the american legal framework um and so what when once you've changed that flip that switch then a lot of things you are completely correct that it within that seed can germinate woke ideology um mm -hmm. but the thing it, is this doesn't happen on its own it took them a lot of work to bring mm -hmm. this out and they specifically worked <clears throat> within the, the liberal framework that was created because essentially the door had been opened to them because without that then black people in America would just have exactly the same Lockean rights of non-interference that white people had. And so they mm -hmm. would be able to create their own little black enclaves, black clubs, <clears throat> black whatevers, just in the same way that white people had done. And there'd be nothing the state could do about it. Um, but it's at that mm -hmm. point that when you begin enforcing and demanding a positive right, 
that you can then do what the critical race theorists did and just spend 25 years calculating a strategy in order to finish off the Lockean perspective? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, the first thing I'll say is that the idea that <laughs> you have to march kids to school at gunpoint because yeah. you must you must associate with these people you don't want to associate with is so yes. illiberal. It, it's so illiberal that yeah. even Julius Eveler has a footnote saying, like, <laughs> you Steady know, on, lads. <laughs> this is a little bit much, isn't it? I mean, you call us totalitarians. What's this all about? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Julius Evola, <laughs> noted liberal. <laughs> yeah, noted liberal Evola. Um, yeah. Wasn't really up for it. But um, yeah, yeah. The, so you're essentially saying there's a transposition from one, from the classical liberalism to the French style liberalism. Yes. My, my sense is that none of the people involved, not a single one of them, was thinking about Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Oh, <laughs> they all. certainly were. No, they, they certainly were. Let, um, all right, go on, go on. Well, the thing is, because it's done by a bunch of um, uh, Harvard Law School academics, they're, they're pretty explicit about how they're accessing all of this. Um, let me get my notes up. I haven't got them up for a while, but... Um, Go on. There are loads. Um, they talk about this sort of stuff all the time. Um, right. Go on. <clears throat> yeah, so um, essay in Kimberly Crenshaw's like omnibus of it, um, in essay seven, they talk about it. This is um, Beyond Critical Legal Studies, the Reconstructive Theology of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. by Anthony Cook. Uh, and they, <laughs> they talk about this sort of thing a lot. And they go, and that's just the first thing that comes up in my notes. The um, Reconstructive Theology of Martin Luther King. Yeah, and then you've got Cheryl Harris's Whiteness as Property, which is essay 16 in this big bumper book. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I mean, Reconstructive Theology doesn't sound like John Jacques Rousseau to me. It just sounds like, I mean, I mean, I, I, I should, I should put, I should mention something else as well though. Yeah. Which is, which is that, I mean, how much of this is starting from the point of, I want something in this, in this case, Gibbs or access to whites or affirmative action or. Well, yeah, no, no. You know. Well, the whole, the whole thing obviously is based around that, but the only reason they're able to do this and again, they, yeah. they cite uh, Locke, Hobbes, Rousseau a lot. But the only reason they're able to do this is because of the structure of liberalism as a philosophy. So liberalism's own origin story. Uh, did you watch the stream I did with Sitch and Adam yesterday? I watched about half of it. Right. So, and then I couldn't the, take any more of Sitch, to be honest. But <laughs> well, the, the, the important point is that it's at the beginning of a story in uh, the origin story of anything in which the value is set right in the sort of nietzschean fashion who d dictates the value and mm -hmm. this is a product of the liberal view of the state of nature so the liberal view in the state of nature harmonizes two otherwise contradictory concepts which are liberty and equality and so when you have these harmonized what you're saying is we promise you liberty and equality and that's why in the Declaration of Independence, that's why in the Declaration of the Rights of Man and Citizen, and just the overarching theme of liberalism, these have been the two values that have been preeminent. Now, these aren't equal values, 
in the minds of most philosophers. Um, for I mean, for example, Hobbes was like, okay, it doesn't even matter what's promised. We mm -hmm. may have had liberty and equality. It doesn't matter. It's but any you know the most the most unjust tyranny is better than the state of nature. So fuck them both. But Locke obviously emphasized liberty because he was a one thirty plus IQ Anglo, uh, whereas mm -hmm. Rousseau. Uh, very much emphasizes equality. Uh, and actually, it's, I mean, you, you can look at Rousseau's formulation of liberalism and question whether liberty is in that at all. He, he characterizes liberty as purely being a, a state of non-dependence on one's okay. fellow man and a state of total dependence on the state. Now, from a Lockean perspective, you, of course, look at that and go, well, how the fuck is that liberty? But it means you're not in an impressive relationship with your your father or your neighbor or your wife or whatever blah 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 um and so the the reason that communists have always got an edge on the Lockean liberals is because this dual promise was made at the beginning of liberalism say look you're going to get equality and liberty uh, all men are created equal it's like okay thanks declaration of independence you you mm -hmm. you've you've underscored there that equality is one of the primary values of this and and so okay well this is your primary value have you delivered it and the answer is of course no everyone can tell that these things aren't equal because people <clears throat> are equal. Uh, and so mm -hmm. the critical race theorists have been using this pull on the liberal to say i thought you were for equality i thought you were for equality i thought you were for equality and they've been using it mm. since the civil rights act that's the purpose of it and oh, see, they can it, constantly hammer on the liberals because the liberals can never actually deliver equality. You, you see, my, my, my problem here is, Carl, uh, mm -hmm. just like I said in my... Uh, I had an article a while back called the James Lindsay Debate Club Theory of History. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, what I feel is actually going on is this. I'll just kind of explain mm -hmm. it in crude terms, okay? Sure. Um, black activists or some other minority... Could they could be uh, Indian ones in this country, or uh, you know certain other groups? You know, yeah, yeah. You, you, take your pick. Have certain historical ethnic grievances and uh, resentment, okay, no question. in their hearts. Again, right, and they've they've got a range of things they want. They want Gibbs. They want to, yep. you know. Ultimately, it ends up with kill Whitey, as in the as in the Zimbabwe and South, South African case, right, and. They're faced with a situation where they need to try to justify those things and they have to then do it in a framework that makes sense so if they had to do this let's pretend in the 16th century all their arguments would have been to do with uh, my bible and my god or whatever okay yeah. uh, if they had to do it in soviet russia they'd have done it in the framework of marx Sure. Because they had to do it in America, they had to do it within the framework of the American legal system. But ultimately, all of these arguments, whether it's Derek Bell or whoever else, or Robin D'Angelo, is literally just bollocks, 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 bollocks. Nothing you can do about it because I can sue you for discrimination if you argue against me. Hmm. Uh, give us what we want. And uh, and yeah. so yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? Is that the... Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm trying to actually get at the mechanism at play here. And the ideas, if you want to put it that way, are essentially just kind of puffery around this that aren't really driving anything. And, and, and the reason I'm putting it this way is because I have the view that unless people see it in those terms, 
you're endlessly going to be trapped in a situation where you're trying to have the James Lindsay debate club and yeah. they are just seeing like the raw power and you know ultimately they want to kill you you know or whatever sure. you know so um yeah, go on <clears throat> the the ideas do matter right the formulation of it does matter but you are correct that in a different time and place i do agree that these people would have just picked a different stratagem and they would be like okay well god said blah 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 right um but the the reason that they are able to get so far is because of the inherent weakness of liberalism to the charge of inequality mm -hmm. that's the yeah. that's uh, i'm not i'm not saying that it's good or right or anything like that obviously um, mm -hmm. But the fact that liberalism made the promises that it's not fulfilling is why they're able to conquer so quickly. And, and th th there is a, there is a, um, obviously a lot of this stuff, the civil rights stuff happened during the Cold War. In fact, I might as well turn yeah. the clip off now because I've, I've said, uh, I'm pretty sure I don't say anything new in, in, in the rest of that. Mm -hmm. um, the, a lot of the civil rights stuff and a lot of the, the kind of the black activism uh brown versus board like the reason yeah. it became so important actually happened in the context of the cold war right yeah. where america and the ussr were trying to sell themselves in the eyes of the world what is mm -hmm. better is you know russian style soviet socialism yeah. and you've got to remember back then the left were all about a lot of the left were all about the ussr okay yeah. or a lot of the left were implicitly sympathetic to the ussr um yeah. or the american way of life with its boulevards and suburbs and so on and so forth yeah and one of the things that the russians did and in fact the chinese still do this if you listen to them even the ayatollah does this occasionally right mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you remember when george floyd happened um you know the ayatollah was on twitter like trolling about george like <laughs> and, I didn't do you remember that, that? <laughs> or uh, no, no i didn't see that yeah, occasionally, uh, President Xi says, "Yeah, you know, pretty awful how you treat the blacks over there, isn't it?" <laughs> uh, but, 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 but basically, the the Soviets did this a lot. The Soviets yeah, yeah, yeah. are like, "Oh, yeah. you say what you want, Americans. At least we don't have slaves here. At least we don't have Jim Crow laws. At least when we say men and women are equal, they really are. At least yeah. you know." Um, and so, a lot of what a lot of what went on also had a kind of foreign policy aspect because America wanted to show yeah. that it wasn't, you know, racist, sexist, yeah. anti-gay, whatever. Mm, because this was calling us names. Yes, it, I are. mean, it's so, so exactly at the, at the geopolitical level, exactly what we're seeing happening with the Tories this week, you know, yeah. about this Lee Anderson yeah. thing yeah. 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 was happening on a, on that wide scale yeah, no. because the yeah, Russians no. were trolling basically. Yeah. I'm so. aware. But um, and you, yeah. you know you are you are right that these people would have a grievance either way. Uh, that's no doubt. But my my contention is is definitely a product of liberalism that they're using. The the philosophy itself is definitely a product of liberalism. It's couched in liberal terms. It's making liberal demands, and it's that that's making it so goddamn effective. And I'm not sure there's anything a liberal can really do about it. This is why, like, the James Lindsay position, I think, is doomed to fail. Um, mm. You can't classical liberal your way out of this because you are also committed to equality. And actually, when it comes to equality, classical liberalism in the Lockean mold is really bad at providing mm. it. You well, know, it's got a really well, narrow view on what equality is. The, the, this actually does bring me back to the problem with woke, though, right? 
because woke mm -hmm. is not i mean it's not really asking for equality um i mean i, I think this is what i go on to say in that, in that clip that i've taken out now is that if you, i mean i when i look at when i read my history books about the british empire in the 19th century okay mm. or indeed the french empire and various other empires mm. they were racist right they were yeah. racist they had a they had a racial hierarchy with whites white men at the top yeah and uh you know blacks down somewhere near the bottom and the various gradients of of quote-unquote coloreds in the middle i don't yeah. think this is controversial okay no this is obviously true i mean any the yeah. concept of yeah. empire in and of itself is a racial concept it's, a, it's one race or group of people exercising imperium over others oh and what i see woke as essentially is and again it comes out of an american context i think mm -hmm. um it does, yeah. is it basically inverts that and uh creates its own new hierarchy where you know it, it's the i mean it's the intersectional pyramid we've been talking about for years and mm -hmm. you know if you're a disabled black lesbian you're somewhere near the top um and if you're you know a, a straight white male you're right down at the bottom and you're basically scum you're basically yeah. um i mean there's, there's a quotation about um uh, how the indian saw the untouchables in yeah. the in the old car system and i mean so if i can pull it i mean i don't need to pull it up you can imagine yeah, how yeah, the untouchables were seen and 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 basically what they're trying to do is to make straight white men into that the untouchable cast who are just unspeakably tainted and you know unspeakably evil and right down the bottom mm -hmm. um so so in a strange way woke is not egalitarian it's it's not equal wow. And I, I think this is one of the reasons why you actually get so much pushback against it, because people understand that. Even black people understand that. And that's well, why think, you get in the chimp, Trump and all the rest of it. I think the way that you've got to understand uh, their view of equality is that, that it's entirely predicated on equality of outcome, right? And so they, and honestly, they are kind of right on this. Uh, you have to actively oppress white people if you want them to be equals to black people in America, for example, right? Otherwise, you will end up with an unequal outcome. So, because what you're what you're appealing to there is a kind of procedural racism. So they're choosing white people and specifically disadvantaging them. And yeah, that's the classically Lockean critique of wokeism, obviously. Um, but they don't view it that way. They view racism as both the process and the outcome. Uh, again, it's I think it's Crenshaw who explicitly says this, uh, not in mapping the margins, but in a different one, where they are just going to make uh, equality or sorry racism mean mo both procedural and outcome based, and so this gives them the sort of Motton Bailey they've used to claim that everything's racist because no matter what you do, no matter how non-racist the procedure is, they can always just point to the outcome and say yeah, but blacks have less, so racism. Um, it, this this car, isn't. I mean, this isn't. Car, like, when uh, when you look on. at this image, when you look at this image here, this is just an image from twenty twenty, chosen at yeah. random, and you see people literally kneeling before, like literally in some cases, yeah, yeah. shining the shoes of black people yeah. and literally yeah. prostrating themselves on the floor. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't see that as a as a, as a kind of bid for 
quote unquote quality. It is just straightforward black supremacy. Yeah, because um, you're looking uh, as, through a procedural lens, right? But what you're watching there is whites in America trying to exercise the the demons of white guilt uh, for the sins of their ancestors. And so in a way, there is an equality in it. The whites need to know what it's like to feel oppressed for them to understand to be in the same status as the blacks. Um, do they, I mean, do any of the woke theorists say, okay, there'll come a point where, you know, through the white guilt, you'd, you've paid your penance for colonialism and the <laughs> Holocaust and slavery. You've done enough now. Um, you know what? Weirdly, they don't. Not that I remember. They, they don't, do they? Well, actually, actually, I think there was one essay where um, a chap with a very Anglo name um, does say something like it's conceivable that in the future something like this might occur. But of course, mm. this is so removed from reality. But it's, it's been about three years since I've read all this. I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure there is one. Because I, I, I feel like... But the, really... the, the problem, the problem yeah. that we have is that you've got to remember that we're thinking in like, uh, I don't want to say traditional, but like the, the sort of old way of looking at categories, right? We think categories and categorization is valid. We think that there are things that are different to other things, and we are prepared to evaluate those things differently depending on their qualities. Um, mm. But this is a sort of postmodern philosophy. And so they're against the concept of categorization itself. So, for example, in one essay, uh, the woman actively advocates for crack babies in it because. <laughs> okay. I'm not even joking. It's it's, okay. it's monstrous. It's a monstrous thing. But it's only your prejudices that make you think that giving birth to crack babies is bad. Black women do it all the time. And as black women are inherently good, therefore <clears throat> it's your prejudice that is the problem, to have a bias against crack babies. Um, and so they're, what they're trying to do is explode categories entirely. And this is what they did with the word racism. If that's a category that a person can fall into, well, they've exploded it so anyone can fall into that category because at the end of the day, people will never be the same. But the, the way that all of this happens is based on equality, as in they, they discount and they discredit a category because it, it is the very act of categorization that produces inequality. How is it just not a straight up assertion of power with a pretext to well, because they genocide, didn't start like the in the like in the Rwanda case? They didn't start with the power. What this is is subversion. Uh, they right. looked at who had the power and they looked at what those people believed, and then they strategized a way that they could uh, kind of you know judo flip these people with their own beliefs, and they successfully did it. But if if you have the category of inherently good black and mm -hmm. inherently evil white mm -hmm. how is that exploding categories that to me that just says there are two categories of people the good oppressed and the evil oppressors well i'm not arguing that they're theoretically consistent um uh -huh. what i'm what i'm saying is that's just what they did um i agree with you obviously that what where uh -huh. this ends up is transracialism and this is the one thing that the uh, it was I think Hypatia Journal, the Radfem uh, yeah. postmodern journal, that, that wouldn't countenance the question. Transgenderism you can have, transracialism we're not we're not supposed to talk about. And it's because yeah. ultimately that is the key that they're using to put in the lock. 
And if you destroy that, then you've destroyed the entire edifice and the whole thing comes crashing down. And you are right, it's, it's just self-interest that keeps it up. But you have to concede that this thing is born in liberalism, is using liberal values against liberals, and that's why they're weak to it. Uh, that's why it's a form of liberalism. But you are also right that MAGA is also a form of liberalism. And, mm. you know, I mean, if we had the choice, obviously you'd choose MAGA world over fucking woke world, right? I mean, I, I struggle. I struggle to see how the creation of unequal, inherently unequal categories, it, it could, is ever liberalism, because because liberalism starts with this idea that individuals are interchangeable units, because everybody's the same. Everybody's yeah. these kind of, where, whereas in woke world, everybody is not the same. Uh, woke world. I mean, imagine no, no, a world that's where, a, so no, yeah. no, that's the oh. thing. It, no, no, <laughs> that's that's why that's why they can't accept that there might be inherent differences between human beings, because ultimately they do believe everyone is the same, and therefore all discriminate all, all differentials between one group and another can only be explained via racism. But why why do they insist on black only spaces then? Uh, because blacks they, are the most oppressed. Why? Why do they basically call for you know? Why do you have this mechanism where you know you're in the classroom? Your job is to shut up and listen. Because um, blacks are the most oppressed. I mean, I'm not saying that there yeah. aren't activists using this yeah. as a power play, right? They are. Mm -hmm. They're all doing it. But the the reason it works is because the philosophy is in line with various other beliefs that the people they're using against hold so they do do this you are right and you are correct right. obviously they're using it as a power play but it is also something that is contained within the philosophy that they're exploiting like the power play has to be mm -hmm. working on something and that's the thing it's working on i mean do you think it's fair to say that there's a modern bailey here where whereby <laughs> There's a there's million a mots and a million babies. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, is that the, uh, I can never remember which way around it is, which is a strong one and which is the weak one. The mot is the strong one, right? And the baby is the weak bit. You know, I can I never remember, remember either. Yeah, whichever, um, it doesn't matter. But, uh, the, but the, anyway, the strong, the, the mask, if you want, is yeah. the liberal mask that is used to kind of, um, you know, pull the wall over the, the eyes of, you know, some professor or something you know sit, yeah. sitting there in in the 1960s you know an old-fashioned liberal humanist or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then the the actual face is this thing that is that is in fact not liberal that is in fact just a kind of um a, you know an inverted or a new type of hierarchy which is not predicated on equality at all and which actually has its goal its ultimate goal as the the assertion of power of non-whites over whites and you know with the possible future eradication of whites something like this um that is definitely an aspect of it, but it's wrong to call it non-liberal um it, it is something that can be done through and is done through liberalism right so it is it is liberal even i mean because i mean remember like Liberalism doesn't just mean Lockean liberalism. Like the Rousseauian view of liberalism is if the state demands you die, you just die. Like your rights are not 
natural or inherent to you. They are exchanged. You you exchange your natural rights for civil rights. And so the rights are whatever the state wants. And you saw this on MSNBC the other day where she was describing the Christian nationalists, the lunatics that they are, who think their rights come from God. And she literally says, well, they, they think that their rights don't come from any earthly power. And it's like, mm. yeah, because that's what's written in your fucking Declaration of Independence, you lunatic. But that's that there is a very clear expression of the Rousseauian view of civil rights. I mean, they literally call them civil rights because they come from the state and not from God. They're not natural rights. Um, and so you like one thing that I think a lot of people do is mistake liberalism for something very fluffy. Um, mm -hmm. It not necessarily is the fluffy view one because it probably appeals to the natural Anglo disposition. Um, but there are other forms of liberalism that are not very nice at all. Yeah, um, no, I, I understand what Hobbesian you're saying. liberalism like, is a very yeah. cool thing. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the Hobbes is really all about security more than anything else, isn't it? It's yeah, about I know. the safety uh, of the individual as against the. But, um, but the thing is, the problem with Hobbes is he makes explicit provision that essentially there's no such thing as tyranny for Hobbes. You can't, the, the sovereign is allowed to do anything he wants to you. You can be tyrannized till the end of your days if the sovereign decrees it, because theoretically for Hobbes, it's better than just being in the state of war. Now, I mean, you know, there's got to come a time where you think, nah, I think I'd rather the state of war than this, right? Um, but the Lockean view is a lot more fuzzy, and I can, un I can understand why people would choose that over the Hobbesian view. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you want that? Well, I mean, I mean, if <laughs> again, um, you you could argue that uh, America started out as a Lockean state in a way, um, and and the and the, re the reason for that is because John Locke specifically argued that um, if the king was tyrannous, you would have the right to take up arms against the government. Yeah. Um, and you could argue that over time, um, the American state has become more Hobbesian, more absolutist, more. Well, it's um, become Rousseauian, not Hobbesian. It's, it's become explicitly Rousseauian. But, but you see, my my argument would be, Carl, again, keeping populist delusion in mind, keeping mm -hmm. people like Carl Schmidt and um, uh, Joseph de Maistre in mind. These are kind sure. of counter enlightenment thinkers. I know. Um, their argument would simply be this Hobbes was right <laughs> uh, basically power is power is always Hobbesian at the end of the day I mean this is basically sure. this is Schmidt this is basically Carl Schmidt 101 is that all of the kind of uh all the liberal copes and all the lock stuff is put in the cart before the horse and just fundamentally misunderstands what it is to have a state and therefore yeah. it doesn't matter if you start with Locke or Rousseau or anyone else yeah. basically every state regardless of what bullshit they say ends up looking something like De Maistre or Locke uh, or Hobbes or yeah. indeed Schmidt I mean but that's what that would be the elite theory kind of take on it all yeah I mean I, I find that there is some truth to it but I don't think it's the whole truth and I think it's a little bit cynical um, because I do think that, hang on, hang on. I do Go think on. the people who are engaged in the business of politics, um, a lot of them do have 
genuinely valid beliefs. Like they genuinely think they're doing the right thing. Now you got to remember a lot of them have got the IQ of Liz Truss, right? So like they're not the best and brightest that we send to politics. And mm -hmm. so they will give their stupid reasons. I mean, like one of the things that was always very clear for me um, after the, uh, the um storming of the capital in the horrific insurrection um was aoc going on i think it was msnbc again and just being mm. like they they violated our sacred capital now right yeah aoc doesn't know that she's is just invoking rousseau there right she's saying mm. oh well the rights come from the state and therefore the, the house of the people should be inviolate she doesn't know that she's flying in the face of the, the philosophy that founded the United States. But that doesn't matter because the, the, the philosophy, what it does is it sets the values of the people, right? It doesn't have to be present in their minds because it's present when they express a particular value. And that's, I mean, that's just what it, philosophy I mean, my, 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 my comeback would be is that when push comes to shove, when push comes to shove, mm -hmm. the state of exception asserts itself so that in the you know in the case of the development of the united states let's just say okay yeah um <clears throat> i mean they have had one civil war we, we will note that okay yeah, yeah. but you know team evil one let's face it yeah. uh sorry uh sorry yankees but i i feel like uh i you know the union one basically L liberalism um, one yeah um but well i mean you could say there's different ways of looking at it but you could mm -hmm. say well the side that was willing to use absolutist power <laughs> defeated the uh defeated the side that wasn't that's what i that's the way i would like when you take all the arguments and strip it away yeah. that's basically what happened okay the more organized the bigger the bigger state won at the end of the day i, th I think okay. there are other factors but anyway that's and, and then if you have a look at the development of how it's happened yeah more and more power has accrued to those parts of the American state that uh, can support the Schmittian exception. Bodies like the FBI and the mm -hmm. CIA and certain branches of the military yeah. and certain... Um, so, so when push comes to shove, it doesn't really matter if a state called itself communist, liberal, fascist, whatever. When something like COVID-19 happens, you know, yeah, we all, you know, they all did the lockdown. Or uh, when it, it's a war, all bets are off. You know, sure. so you know in in the end the regardless of what kind of dresses you put on it or see or what pretty flowers you put around it the the, the fact is is that hobbs is right hobbs is right and Locke was wrong uh regardless well, of whether people believed in Locke or hobbs so it, like <laughs> it's not i mean in a broad sense yes but in a more narrow sense no right so <clears throat> you know there's a reason that the american tyranny isn't making women wear burqas and the taliban one is right because okay, they have yeah. a value yeah. system that informs what they want out of life so it's not it's not just arbitrary and it's not divorced power is not divorced from a system of values right these things are intertwined mm -hmm. Because the system of values presupposes that there will be a form of power with which to impose the value. So you can't just say, no, it's only this one thing. or And I'm not saying that it's only this other thing either. I'm saying it's a melding of both. Uh, and the things that people do are because of the values that they hold. This, I think the postmoderns are right on all this. 
Uh, and yeah. so these things are handmaidens, they're hand in hand, they're, they're intertwined. Um, so in a way, you are right. You are right about part of it. But also the the, re, the, the things they do and the way they justify it to themselves, it will be value-based and ideological. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't uh, disagree that, you know, <laughs> the values of your government will dictate whether you wear a burqa or not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sure. Um, I, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get is that, okay, let's say you've asserted that value, right? Mm -hmm. You've asserted, oh, women in this society can vote and don't wear burqas. Women in this one do and and can't vote. Let's just pretend yeah. those are the two different values. The fact is, is that the maintenance of both of those things at the end of the day will end up being Hobbesian or Schmittian or closer to De Maestra than they will be to, to Locke i.e. Sure. The, yeah, yeah. the state that says, actually, you know, we're going to, we're not up for the burqa, will end up basically enforcing that, as the French have done. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure the the French, who are very they have hardcore... Banned, yeah, they have banned it, yeah. They um, banned the burqa and they banned religious symbols from school and so on. Yeah, yeah, but that yeah, is because yeah. the French, that is because the French state, okay, you could say, well, it's Rousseauian, but yeah. it, it it's also just kind of trying to i mean every i guess what i'm saying is is that okay you can set a few you can set a few values right in you know as part of your governing ideology whatever they happen to be but well, if you zoom out enough every state ends up being absolutist and it doesn't matter how many maguns you've got the, the the lockean way just never really plays out in reality so even if you start with Locke, you end up with hobbes regardless of what the values are. Does um, that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I understand what you're saying. Maybe, but I'm not... I don't think it's this uh, definitely or necessary thing in all times and all places. Like, I don't think the Anglo nations would ever ban the burqa, right? Because the Anglo nations mostly are traditional nations, and so we don't act mm. in that way anyway. But if they do become ideological, they tend to be Lockean, because obviously Locke speaks the English soul. Um, and so... The Anglo nations just view it, and again, they wouldn't rationalize this to themselves. They, they would like reason the way through it. They wouldn't be mm. like, "Well, I mean, which liberal philosophy are we following, boys?" You know, they're just in their guts, be like, "No, nah, that just feels wrong." Whereas to the French, who don't believe they have any natural rights, yeah, right. that's totally fine because so, the government so what is, is the, actually able to do that. To use the language of Pareto, then, okay, the sentiment, the instinct, mm -hmm. is we're not up for the banning of the burqa, right? That's the instinct yeah. that you're saying. Yeah he talks about derivations and then basically like when you codify that as a value when you codify that as an ideology what is the value that is downstream of that gut feeling from of the anglo in your view like what is the why can't we ban the burqa let's just say well the anglo generally tends to view himself as having a, a god-given set of natural rights and this this these, this is what the rights of Englishmen are. They, they, they're something inherited from the deep past, and they're not really up for debate. And this is why we fought civil wars and barons' revolts and things like this. I just got a funny feeling that if you if you got a bunch of if you got a bunch of Muslims and imported them into, um, mm -hmm. I, I can't remember where John Locke actually lived now. Uh, didn't he end up going to America as well? Where, where uh, he no, there? he didn't go to America. He fled to the Netherlands. Oh, did he? Right. Yeah. Um, but I can't imagine that if you transposed a bunch of Mohammedans in the 18th century to go and live next to John Locke, 
that he yeah. wouldn't have been like, yeah, fuck it, just get out. We're gonna kill you all. Just uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, I just, saying... I just don't believe that John, like any, that, not just John Locke, any liberal of that era would not have put up with. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not saying they would. <laughs> any Muslims um, living anywhere near them. So I I'm mean... not. I'm not saying they would. I mean, like, uh, wasn't it Thomas Jefferson who ended up launching the raids on the Barbary pirates? Like, you know, the and and Jefferson was a deeply, deeply inspired by Locke Man. He was he took Locke very seriously. Um, but that's I'm not saying that that's not the case or anything like that. All I'm saying is that within the frameworks that they give themselves, some things are justified and some things aren't. And I think that these uh -huh. do have impact and a, a particular pull on our civilizations, whether we like it or not. Um, I'm not saying this is necessary or inevitable, right? So it uh -huh. could be that in a particular circumstance, a, uh -huh. a kind of um, emotional fever drives uh -huh. people to a place where they aren't proud of. And I, I think COVID is actually one of those times. Uh -huh. um, I think a lot of people actually regret the way that they acted during COVID. But we're still, I mean, even with this bit of analysis you've just given, we're still starting with the emotions and the feelings and the philosophy uh, or the BS, as I put it, is downstream of that. Oh, I feel this way. Now I need to figure out why, right? Um, maybe Rather than the... starting with a bunch of rational, rational principles, you know, I'm standing there with Emmanuel Kant and now I'm working out, <laughs> you know, reading Kant can, yeah. you know, can women wear bur burkas or not? I mean, that's, yeah. you're saying it starts from with a gut feeling from some sort of sense of well, being an Anglo. That's what I, I think. I think there's no clear delineation, right? So a lot of things will be true at once, and that's part of it. Um, what we already believe will also be a part of it, you know? So it, there's, no, there's no hard line that you can draw, in my opinion. So, Carl... Is woke liberal <laughs> before we get to super chat uh, to find us? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It, it is. It is philosophically liberal, values inspired by liberalism, and it's part of the long communist march against liberalism because they can't accept that they lost. Yeah. I, I, I mean, even after our conversation, I still just feel that. Oh, really? People, people think people feel stuff. And I'm not, make up, make I'm up not saying they don't. <laughs> they, they feel Holy stuff. And they make up bollocks to justify it. That's what I think. I, and I they're agree. not driven by Rousseau or anything. They're just driven no, no, by... No, I agree, but the kind of bollocks now. that they make up is inspired by the governing philosophy of the era. Right, okay. They have to frame, they have to frame their arguments in a certain tradition, something like that. Yeah, and, it, and it's the values that, ins, that they are expressing in the arguments that reveal the tradition that they come from. I see. But like, okay, before we get on to Super Chats, yeah, Derek, on. right, did you find any passages of Derek Bell, the critical race theorist? I just want to see some quotes of Derek Bell. I want to see how he's like framing his arguments. Um, you know, let me, uh, let me find some. I mean, right, here are some quotes from Derek Bell. Black people are the magical faces at the bottom of society's well. Even the poorest whites, those who must live their lives only a few levels yeah. above, 
to gain their self-esteem by gazing down on us. Surely yeah. they must know that their deliverance depends on their letting down their ropes. Only by working together is escape possible. Over time, many reach out, but most simply watch mesmerized into maintaining their unspoken commitment to keeping us where we are at whatever cost to them. I mean, where's the liberalism there? Well, that's an analysis. Okay. That's not an assertion of values. I live to harass white folks. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just but... not sounding very liberal to me, Carl, you know. Well, no, this is because you've got a caricature of liberalism that it's polite and fluffy, but actually liberalism can be horrific. Like the French Revolution was an entirely liberal project. It was just monstrous. Slavery is an example of what white America has done, a constant reminder of what might have, white America might do. Yeah, we I mean, <laughs> one, one thing that's interesting about Derek Bell is that he was always annoyed at the idea that, uh, and he, he complains in uh, the essay Serving Two Masters, that the it is assumed that the presence of white children is essential to the education of black children. Like he, right. he's because he's a segregationist, so he's he's furious about this. But of course, he lost this argument. He's and this is what I mean about like they're they're the, the salty communists who are like, hang on a second, this isn't what we asked for. We didn't demand to be bussed into white schools. And it's like, yeah, well, get in the school, you know. Um, so the, these these people are not happy with what happened. But what they and what they are arguing is through the liberal uh, paradigm of the United States. I mean, you, you, you can say, well, I mean, I think their intentions are anti-liberal, you know, okay, maybe, you know, who knows, fuck no. But, um, but their arguments are expressly liberal ones. Okay. I'm, just, I'm still not really, it's not, it doesn't sound very liberal. Fee whites are ready to actively promote civil rights for blacks. I mean, to me, it just sounds like a straight up kind of like, you know, Blacks yeah, are my example, friends, whites are my enemies. And I need whites to be more, you know, because whites have power, they need to be sure. friends of mine so I can promote my own. Yeah, but what, own, what yeah, but Derek people, Bell's quite quite clear about this, right? What he wanted was black schools that were given the same budgets as white schools. Uh -huh. Right. So he's still arguing for equality. <laughs> like he's still saying, give us the same thing you have. Okay. Um <laughs> all right there well, well do you people... know what Derek Bell's yeah, really yeah. interesting as well because the the next essay of his is Brown versus Board of Education the interest convergence dilemma and at this point in his thinking he's just felt that desegregation is a, a thing that um harms blacks and benefits whites and it's just like fucking hell you know you can't win either way Derek Bell's radical realism. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm just reading, I'm just reading uh, various different essays. Oh, honestly, I would people. recommend you do read him. Um, you probably get a lot of that out of him. Uh, and the thing is, right, one, one thing that is important to remember the critical race theorists is when you're reading, I mean, okay, not, not in every single case, but generally they're very smart people. Uh -huh. So they do have some quite good takes on things um and they have done their homework you, you see i i do i do read some of these things sometimes because i've got a i've got a kind of a theory car which is that mm -hmm. the center right are wrong about the center right since world war ii are wrong about basically everything right yeah and they the woke accidentally sometimes backward stumble into things yeah, that i'm aware are that you have the, and you you are yeah. right about this and um, and you see, the thing is, is that 
really all you need to do is read i mean i do this all the time just le read a left-wing scholar be they marxist or yeah. critical race theorist or whatever and simply just say where they say oh and that was bad you just say based and that's it i mean that's literally it <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> i mean, I mean um, let, 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 let me read this let me read this right from derek yeah. bell he says black people will never gain full equality in this country yeah. Even those Herculean efforts we hail as successful will produce no more than temporary peaks of progress, yeah. short-lived victories that slide into irrelevance as racial patterns adapt in ways that maintain white dominance. This is hard to this is a hard to accept fact that all history verifies. I mean, basically, every almost everybody on the screen would agree with that. Do you know what essay that came from? Uh, it came from Faces at the Bottom of the Well. The permanence okay, of racism. It, yeah, he must yeah. have written another article. Well, okay, so there's another article in which he says basically the same thing. Uh, do you know what it's called? It's called Racial Realism <laughs> by Derek Bell. So there we go. <laughs> Derek Bell, the race realist. I mean, there he's, I mean, he's just said it. He said... To, to be <laughs> fair, the actual content of the essay isn't about that. He's he's trying to establish uh, something he, he's calling racial realism. In regards to law, um, not in regards to uh, genetics or something like that. Um, but what he he does echo that point several times. That look in the way that the system is now, blacks will never gain equality. Yes, but that's the liberal value. But what he's saying is, is that it doesn't even matter if you win victories; they'll slide back, which is yeah. essentially literally the exact same view. Of most racist, all of our yeah. all of our friends on the on the you <laughs> yeah. know on the, on the right and so on. Yeah. And the only people who disagree are literally uh, the MAGA liberals, yeah. MAGA liberals and Jacob Rees Mogg and people like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the so what I'm saying is is that the woke are basically right. It's just that they're on their enemies and not friends. Sure. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? In 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 some ways that's definitely true. I mean, there are other things that there's not true about, but like in some ways, yeah. <laughs> so they're not liberals then? No, no, but they are either. liberals. They're still liberals either way. Oh, like, liberal doesn't just mean John Lennon fucking Locke, you know? <laughs> like, okay. that, that's not the only thing. I mean, there is a strong component of that to it. They're still liberals. Um, <laughs> they seem pretty, they seem quite based to me, you know? <laughs> should i become should i become a race uh uh derek bell, a derek a bell race race. Race. <laughs> um well i mean you know race all, you derek can, bell. all you can say is look i'm just following in the classic critical race theory tradition i don't see what the problem can you imagine the trajectory of this channel i started with thomas soul and i'm going to end with <laughs> his arch nemesis derek <laughs> bell <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, like you say, sometimes they're not wrong, and you know there are occasions. Like Derek Bell was not stupid at all. No, you know? um, he's just again the the thing is with Thomas Sowell is he's not really very liberal. You know, Thomas Sowell's a bit more of a sort of natural guy, where he's like, well, you know, some things are just as they are, right? Well, I mean, the, the very interesting th thing about uh, Sowell is that if you read between the lines of many of his arguments, basically he's arguing for segregation a lot. Yeah. Because it's it's Thomas Sowell's view that the only way that blacks are going to make it in America is if they have their own spaces to develop, yeah. and if they have their own schools, and if they are yeah. 
not constantly pit pit against yeah white white people and white standards i.e they have to develop their own yeah. thing their own industries and so well, on. that's exactly what bell's saying it's exactly and, what bell's and saying. so soul and bell literally agree on that they're yeah. just coming at it from different ends of the spectrum yeah if that makes any sense and so. i think there's a certain uh, difference in morality there too like thomas soul doesn't want to steal things from people he's not a socialist uh yeah. he's a he's, he's a chicago school economist yeah of course um uh, whereas derek bell's like he's no nah, i'll also like chop your head off and steal from you as well yeah yeah derek, derek bell's totally fine <laughs> taking your money he just doesn't want to have to go to your school um yeah. but you can definitely okay. pay for it whitey <laughs> Oh, all right, have you got time to uh, hit some super chats before we go uh... on then? Okay, so we've got Mike Honk, who has sent $50 and it literally just says it means so much. Well, thank you very much, Mike Honk. It means so much. Uh, Spasticus Autisticus says that's a great name. Uh, one of the yeah, one of the one of the best super chatters around. He says CLS professors as critical. Uh, or CLS. legal scholarship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At elite uh, law schools are utterly insufferable. Yeah. Had one tell me that Rousseau was actually a right-wing extremist. Everyone <laughs> hates... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean... I guess John Jack Rousseau noted right-wing extremist, yes. I, I mean, I, I, he, Rousseau did have the noble savage idea, didn't he? Um, um, yeah, which, yeah, Which yeah. they see well, as being racist. They see well, that as being racist, though. Well, the thing is, it's not racist, right? It it, it is uh, the abolition of race. But, I mean, all liberalism is predicated on the abolition of race, really, to uh, disenchant people of their particular cultures. Um, so Rousseau, it, Rousseau wasn't. I mean, in on a in a sort of day to day sense, yes, he probably would have been like a, an eighteenth century French racist. But philosophically, his philosophy wasn't about race. Um, I should mention something as well, by the way, because a number a number of people in the chat throughout this mm -hmm. have said, "Is AA basically trying to defend liberalism?" Not, not really, not really. But I, I, I guess what All I'm right, saying, yeah, yeah, okay, go on. Derek Bell's well, right. But I'm not defending liberalism. Go on. What, what I'm trying to say is this: I can imagine a liberalism that didn't turn out like this. I don't think woke is an inevitable kind of end point where like, you know, woke could um, liberalism could end up in MAGA world, for example, right? Liberalism, liberalism did end up in our lifetimes in Fresh Prince Carl. Um, liberalism yeah. also can end up like Singapore, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is Australia. it is certainly possible, but the, the, the question is what is the preference of the English speaking world? Um, the and the the inherent prejudices we have, and when we've got a bunch of failing minorities in our midst, we think that affirmative action is the right thing to do. Hmm. And so it kind of looks more inevitable like that, right? I feel like that's not true. Why? I feel like it is not the preference of most people to be up for affirmative action. Oh my God, I feel like elite theory like for five minutes. No, it's the preference of our fucking guilty conscience elites to have affirmative action. Uh, Obviously, most people don't like affirmative action because it's mean, directly against their fucking interests. Let me, let me, let me draw a contrast if you want. I, I mean, 
there's a difference between how affirmative action is done in this country yeah. and how it has been done in America. Got to remember the elites in America aren't all Anglo's. I'll just put it that way. Okay. Of course. The elites here typically have been. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I used to be involved in university admissions. Okay. Yeah. And affirmative action on the basis of race is still pretty much not, not practiced. What yeah. they do is they do it on the basis of socioeconomic background. You can yeah. see the Labour, the Labour Party influence there, the socialist yeah, yeah, influence, yeah. right? So, so, so there is no actual racial component to the admissions process. Yeah, they okay. just do it on a means-tested basis, free school meals, and the, and these yeah. are you could say, well, these are proxy measures. Because yeah. let's say a black person's more likely to be from, yeah. you know, a disadvantaged background is the kind of language they use. But it's kind of being done within the rubric of socialism rather than the rubric of kind of racial justice, if it makes any sense. So, yeah. but, the, uh, but the intent behind it is very clearly towards racial justice, right? Yeah, yeah, the people, yeah, but the people I, there I, are definitely trying to achieve something they will call racial justice. I, I feel like there's something in the, I mean, talking about the Anglo spirit, right? Yeah. I feel like there's something about that commitment to empiricism and the methods of science, right? Yeah, that, um, the that this country in particular finds it very hard to let go of, like, like for yeah. example. I was involved, you know, I've been involved in this putting the woke away thing. I was kind yeah. of surprised to learn that in 2020, the uh, extremely lame Boris Johnson government did actually ban, like it basically um, withdrew diversity training. Yeah. And I read the report that the government put, put out um, and they said, well, the reason we're withdrawing this training is that we've subjected it to um, empirical uh, research and we found that the outcomes of this have not done what it promised right yeah. so we are withdrawing this and replacing it with a new set of training that everybody has to do mm -hmm. and i read the new and i read the new set and the new set was basically stripped out any emotional terms and framed it all in this really neutral boring bureaucratic language yeah um and well basically what they did is they neutered or they stripped out the kind of more extreme American style bullshit that had crept into the system. And they did it by a uh, government degree, uh, decree, basically. Yeah. Uh, what was interesting to me is the way they did it. They just did it through this kind of neutralizing utilitarian method. Um, and I feel like that there's something in that that's left to their own devices. We get something closer. You know, I've talked about Mecca Bentham before, right? Yeah, this, yeah, is yeah. Like, this is like Elon Musk world or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I feel like without some of those other elements that they have in America, yeah, you wouldn't get the intense subjectivism that you get with a lot of uh woke theory, you know, oh, no lived, ex lived experience and all these kind of woolly yeah, things. Yeah. No doubt. Um, but anyway, anyway, let's continue. You, you'd uh, get you, what you get if America didn't exist, basically. Uh, is you'd get a kind of paternalistic British Empire approach, where yes, people, yeah, the, more more like that, the white man's burden or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly what you get because, and that's the sort of traditional way that Britain's viewed itself in the world. 
Um, and there's the, honestly, I think there's really something to be said for it on a kind of a sentimental level. It's like, look, you didn't have to fucking do that. Like, you can look at almost every other world empire and you realize the people in charge of those did not do that. You know, they just mm -hmm. raped and pillaged their way around the world. And the, the, the you know, the, the Brit, the Anglo was like, hmm, I think I probably should make this a bit better than it was uh, because I'm quite lucky here, aren't I? And it's like, that's, mm -hmm. there's something really cute about that, quaint, I think. And I tell you what, when we finally get fully, properly conquered by someone, they ain't going to fucking think that way to us. You know, so. Let it, let well, I don't think I, I don't think Derek Derek Bell is not going to be a benevolent dictator. He'll be more like uh, yeah. Robert Mugabe or someone like that, you know. Yeah, you know, one hundred percent. You know, and just you know, just to be clear, the Anglo may well have you know been in rough in the conquest, but he was quite gentle in the aftermath, and that should be remembered. Spasticus carries on. This we we, we kind of interrupted his <laughs> Sorry, uh, stupid chat. He says. Uh, had, they, had one of these lawyers tell me that Rousseau was actually a right-wing extremist. Everyone hates lawyers. Everyone hates <laughs> academics. These people are both at once. Look into yeah. Richard Dawkins and especially John Rawls, if you want to understand them. Well, he's totally, totally correct. These, these people are fucking insufferable. Uh, I fucking hate John Rawls, man. I, uh, not on a personal level, never met him, obviously. But the, <laughs> the veil of ignorance is just such a stupid thing. It's like, so why don't we imagine a world in which we haven't been born? And where would what would we want the world to look like? It's like, John, John, we need to worry about the tax code, mate. You know, we need to we need to worry about things that are happening in the real world. You've taken us to the most fanciful position possible. Why are we here? I, I also, um, uh, do you remember in the in the mists of lost mists of time? my back and forth with Gary Edwards. This is like 2016. I like Gary Edwards. Do I don't know why he's committed to socialism. Do you remember, though, that was all about John... That was Gary Edwards going on and on about rules and me. Not offhand. It's been a few years. I mean, it's, uh, oh, well, we're talking like seven years ago now. But yeah. uh, that was sub, that was a back and forth, I remember. You were involved with it as well. Uh, was I? I didn't I feel like... much about rules at the time. Yeah, I can't remember much of it either now. Uh, C123 says, Carl... Why should we accept admitted Mossad agents? <laughs> who's oh what Gad Sad? Uh, I, I'm guessing who's that. Or am I, I the Mossad he, agent today? No, I, I think he's talking about. <laughs> I assume he's talking about Gad Sad. Uh, um, well, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't really know what the rights critique of Gad Sad is. It just seems to be well, he's a Mossad agent, right? But like Gad Saad is the most vociferous anti-Muslim activist that the intellectual dark web have, right? Assuming that's even a thing anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, even, even I mean, Sam Harris is pretty hardcore, but Gad Saad is like literally not one. So it's just like, right, okay, well, that's interesting how, and it's because he's a Lebanese Jew who lived in Christian Lebanon and watched it and had to flee as it turned into Muslim Lebanon, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Obviously, yeah, sure, he's not in Israel, and he's Jewish, so his natural sympathy, I mean, for example, if I had to, you know, if England was taken over by Islamists and I had to flee to Canada, I would still think of myself as an Englishman first, um, but that mm. doesn't mean I would hate Canada, and that doesn't mean I'd be acting against Canada's interests, and I'm just looking at, like, his career, and I'm just like, okay, but where's the subversion here? Where's he? But are you an MI6 agent, Carl? I'm personally not. <laughs> right, <laughs> but let's pretend. Let's pretend you were. But I mean, how would the Canadians view you there? 
<laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, like, what what's Gadsat actually done that seems to undermine Canada? Well, that's, what's he said? I have no idea. There's well, no that's idea. the thing. Like, I, I, he seems to be very pro-Christian West, but obviously his primary loyalty is going to be to Israel because he's Jewish in the same way that my primary loyalty would be to England. Even if I was like living in India and being like, look, you need a strong India to resist China. You know, but if shit went down in England, I'd be like, well, yeah, obviously my primary loyalty is to England, but obviously I don't want India to be destroyed, you know? So I, I don't know. I think there's just a, uh, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of it is just kind of, oh, he's Jewish, therefore we don't like him. I I mean, I, I, I think a lot of the time when people have a problem with this, it is the whole point of view of nationalism for me, liberalism for the... Yeah. Sure, but but Gadsad's not liberalism. He's not an open borders guy. Like, okay. He's not like, oh, by the way, you need to take every fucking Abdul in, you know, all of the world. He's the opposite of that. He's against you taking a single goddamn one. He's the only one of the IDW that's put Trump for fuck's sake openly, and he got in a lot of trouble for that with his friends. So, like I said, I don't, I just don't, and you know, like, sure, I'm not like pro Mossad or whatever. Uh, or pro-Israel, or anything like that. But, like, I'm looking at his record and just wondering, and, and you know, don't get me wrong, people might be able to send me some stuff on Twitter and be like, look, look at this. I'm like, okay, fair enough. But I just don't see what he's done to deserve us thinking that he's an enemy, apart from... Uh, Being a Mossad. <laughs> well, not even that, but anyway, you know. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> Louis Shaw Morfitt says... A really good guest could uh, you could have on AA would be Rurik Skywalker. He's a Rusky and can cover this topic well. He is on Substack. As an aside, if you go deeper into the liberal value assumption, they are fundamentally a Christian interpretation of Plato. That's probably a fair critique. He also says, a good point to AA with Schmittian exception. I am reminded of passports being brought in during World War I and then never being removed. Yes. Uh, Bruleham says, the hegemonic elite is setting the tempo and alignment for the zealot and masses. This is the function of academics. The ideology is the set of low overhead messages to scale the organized and align the zealots. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The setting of the value. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Louis Shaw Moffat says, AA. Carl is basically saying that the Anglo has a racial spirit as it comes to laws without saying racial spirit. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Like it is it is this is well, I mean, I did get to that later on by basically saying, look, it's the general disposition of the Anglo to prefer Lockean liberalism. Lockean liberalism is is just a kind of formalization of that feeling in the first place, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's a specific yeah. abstraction of the English uh, tradition of rights. So John Locke, being an Englishman, unsurprisingly, was like, well, these are the rights of all men. It's like, well, no, but okay, carry on. Donnie Dewitt says, Carl, in your convo with Sitch, you could have brought up the kings that um, the kings that last lost the kings that last their heads lost it because of compromise with liberals. Russia became communist after the Tsar gave power to the Parliament. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing with uh, Louis the 
16th as well like he was a really weak king and made loads of concessions to the revolutionaries and they eventually beheaded him uh, i could have mentioned i suppose i just didn't think of it at the time uh coney says thoughts on john rawls's influence on woke um the thing is uh very few of them seem to reference rules i can't think of it I'm not, let me just search my notes no not no mentions of rules so i don't think he personally had that much influence i mean they they seem to be sidestepping on that one okay uh coney says is woke when liberalism is applied to people who aren't 130 iq anglos um no 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 woke is what happens when those people are exposed to people who aren't 130 iq anglos okay uh like if, no no ironically right if if america was say racially homogenous uh woke wouldn't exist obviously right because mm -hmm. the anglo would have settled the questions of politics in the 18th century and would all be living under mecca bentham <laughs> i'm not uh, even joking i'm not joking at um, all. Totally I, I i still think mecca bentham is a possibility but uh we'll see um i guess we'll uh, see tragic vision uh, if elon musk has his way uh tragic vision says yeah. soul laments the demise of the parallel institutions which were destroyed during desegregation segregation will return that's return with a v i mean you see the thing is is that i feel like a lot of the black community do actually want segregation de facto or de jure and that um a lot of uh a lot of the let, let's say the american regime does whatever it can basically to to, to nip that in the bud or to insist that everybody has to integrate all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. um of course um, i mean this is the difference between martin luther king and malcolm x of course one yeah. got backing from elites and the other one got investigated by the fbi and had all his shit destroyed you know to be so, fair they were pretty fucking rough to mlk as well <clears throat> they, did, the they did tell him to fucking kill himself the holocron record says Trump is. In fact, woke. did they not ex assassinate MLK? Yeah, but not, I mean, it wasn't necessarily the uh, the powers that be that, that, that did that. Some some nutter did it. Yeah, but it was the FBI, right? Uh, well, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to. I'm pretty sure they. That. I know they carried on like a sustained harassment campaign against him. So I, I mean, I'd have to look into. No. It. I should ask Harry. He did a big thing on this. Um, <laughs> The hologram record. Harry's say. been an absolute king on this stuff, man. He's got he's got a Weimar video coming out at some point. It's going to be fucking brutal. Apparently, it's like twelve thousand fucking words. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I know it's going to be really good. Tread carefully, um, Harry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it'll be, it'll be behind the paywall, unfortunately. For okay, everyone, right. so you know, um, it should be fairly safe. <laughs> the hologram record said, "I mean, have you seen Candy Owens this week? Bloody hell!" Yeah, I um, know, right okay the holocom record kind set. Of books did they burn exactly <laughs> trump is so woke so why trump is woke so why vote for him biden being worse is not an answer picking no so, one is better than picking the letter evil evil is still evil so tr trump isn't woke what he is is liberal right um yes woke doesn't necessarily mean all liberals 
um, and all, all liberals are not woke. Um, but wokes are all liberals. So Trump is the Lockean mold of liberalism, the sort of classic American mold, um, which is relatively safe. Like you're not, you won't get from the Lockean perspective, we hate white people. You get that from the racial grievance mongers using the Rousseauian woke, uh, like racial grievance ideology. Um, I'm not saying that the Lockeans will solve the issues of race, because uh, of course they won't, but uh, they will definitely try to put the woke away. <clears throat> I I have the view that Donald Trump doesn't know who John Locke is. Obviously and, he doesn't. And just basically kind of uh, makes it up as he goes along. No, At the no. minute, he's saying that African-Americans built America because yeah, he, he's he courting that vote. You know, yeah, he'll course. just say well, what the room wants him to say. He's yeah, exactly. D Donald Trump's a salesman. He will say anything yeah. he wants. But when it comes down to what his intrinsic values are, they're Lockean liberalism. Tr just traditional Americanism. That's what Trump is. No, I mean, I, I, would, I agree. I agree that the MAGA movement is a purer strain of liberalism. That, well, not purer, because the other strains of liberalism are not impure, they're just different. Mm, I feel like they're, I feel like they're tainted. They're away from the... <laughs> That's because like you will not return to Fresh Prince. No, no. Just, yeah. just be, it's not, be, I don't, yeah. I, I don't want that. You know what I want. Uh, uh, no, go on, tell me what you want. Well, I want the. I mean, I, I want, I want, the, I want the end of the of the global American empire, and for, you know, that's what I want. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that we're going to get some version of Fresh Prince. Uh, anyway, uh, these just a, just a quick thing on that, right? So, I mean, like, things could be worse than the return to Fresh Prince. I think they could be worse than that. Did you say? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Fresh Prince would be definitely preferable to what we have now, right? Yeah, yeah. But the, and and for that reason, that's why they'll do it because they yeah, yeah. They, they want people like to stop being against you, them. When you got into this thing with Auron, all this is really going to do is codify the woke gains. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yes, that's the ratchet. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but what they what they really need to do is to stop people wanting to overthrow them and hate hating them as much. Yeah, and, and and the problem is, is that the system has a lot of people, as many as a third of the population, who absolutely hate them now. Yeah, um, and I, in fact, in a, in a strange way, the the fact that Donald Trump exists is a greater stabilizer for America than the fact that in this country we don't have one. I, I actually think that, in in a way, Blair and friends have been too efficient at locking uh, it's kind of shutting out populists from power God, you can't go uh, five minutes from googling Blair's but, balls can you <laughs> no but you understand what i'm saying like <laughs> they, they've been too they, i'm just saying have, tony's blood is just too good he's just he is, too no, good he's like, so good look at it but in, in, in a strange way in a strange yeah, know, way just... that's dangerous because yeah. there's no vent there's yep. no vent so people now are looking at this next election on the left, they're saying, like, we wanted Corbyn. You've installed this globalist fuckwit on us. Yeah. Uh, Starmer, who loves Israel, and, you know, they're not yeah. like us. They're not like, uh, go, Jeremy, you know. So if you yeah. look at Owen Jones, he just spends all day, every day, crying about, Jeez. you know, daily Starmer now, okay? Yeah. Um, and then on the 
um, on on our side of things, you know, they well they installed Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt on us, and yeah. you know that you're denied uh, Nigel Farage, Priti Patel world or whatever. You know, well, Liz so. Truss actually, or Liz Truss. The glorious rhetoric of Liz Truss could have been reaching our ears on a daily basis. <laughs> she, have you seen she's palling about with Steve Bannon? Though? Yeah, yeah. Did you watch the CPAC speech? Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, I mean, I, mean I, I I wrote it, Carl. I literally yeah, wrote I know. it. <laughs> I know. Like, like, literally, I was. we did it today on the podcast. I was like, basically, this is just her giving a summary of every right-wing commentator in the past three years. And they were on good. Good. That's, I'm glad, you know, the convergence is good. You know, that everyone can see it implies that there's probably some truth to it, um, mm -hmm. which is excellent. But uh, but the thing is, and this is the thing that really annoys me about Liz Truss, right, is, and, and I don't want to be mean, but she's really thick and she's the world's yeah. worst orator, right? She, she doesn't know when to put emphasis in her sentences and it's fucking atrocious. Yeah, and I, in a weird way, though, do you think that the powers that be have underestimated Liz Truss because she is low IQ? <laughs> like when, when maybe, uh, maybe when, I don't say no. When Tone and Jeremy Hunt and uh, Gideon and all these twats yeah, are sitting yeah. around in their in their private meetings, I bet you one they don't invite Liz Truss, and I bet obviously. you two she's the butt of every joke and kind of obviously, yeah, she's obviously not part of the of the gang, yeah. is she? Yeah. So. yeah. They could the, underestimate the her, that, like Cer like Cersei Lannister. <laughs> the the thing, yeah, maybe, maybe, but Cersei Lannister was smart. And the thing that bothers me about Liz Truss is she makes our position sound stupid because she's the one saying it. Yeah. Even I though think. everything she's saying is true, the way she delivers her rhetoric is so poor that it makes us sound dumb. Yeah, that's true. Like, can well. you imagine a conversation between Liz Truss and someone like George Galloway? You know, Liz Truss would be 100% right on all of the subjects, but Galloway would fucking destroy her through rhetoric. Yeah. No, I agree. She she sounds stupid. Um, you know, Yorkshire cheese. Tea's better for rough set. We're producing uh, more cheese than the French. I, I, I don't know if you saw it, Carl, but I, I like literally a couple of days before Liz Truss's speech on Twitter, yeah. I, uh, I got somebody to mock up that image of Boris and Pretty Patel. And I, yeah, I yeah, wrote I, this, I wrote a script for what, and she literally basically said it word for word. I couldn't believe. Yeah, I, know, it. I know, I know. Uh, anyway, Dee's bit of rough says, "Mr. AA, can you and Carl share me like a Twix?" Ooh. So uh, just a quick thing on Mr. D, right? I've I've hmm. not seen him on unpopular opinions for a while. Actually, now I think about it. Last um, week he wasn't on, or the week before he was. Right, right, okay. Um, but I recently actually sat down and read all 500 pages of Goethe's Faust, um, which is honestly, I, have you ever done that? No. Right. It's fucking painful, right? It It's really fucking painful. It's very, very German. It's very verbose in places. And it goes off on weird meandering tangents, right? That you can see some fucking overeducated Germans in the 19th century were just like, oh, look at these references. But the one thing that was really good about the whole thing is Mephistopheles, because mm -hmm. you can't help but read Mephistopheles in Dee's voice. <laughs> he sounds 100% like what Dee would sound like. And he gives this, I'm not even joking, and I don't mean that as an insult. Mephistopheles is the best character in Faust by far. And uh, mm -hmm. all I, I couldn't help but when I'm reading it, read it in his voice. 
I, I used to teach the uh, Christopher Marlowe play quite regularly, so I uh, I know the Marlowe version rather than the, I've not read the that. I just, I just read a translation I found online. <clears throat> Mephistopheles was the funnest character, and he sounds just like D. Um, Sergeant Hoddle says, I've been thinking about wokeness and Google's AI HR lady creating DEI Skynet is the longhouse run amok. Oh, HR God, ladies, yeah. lib lock peers aren't incentivized enough to contest her because they get paid regardless and or are too cowardly to combat the longhouse. Yep. You know, when, uh, that, that actually is a genuine worry, the sort of the AI longhouse. Mm. Fucking, just honestly. I mean, I, I, I just feel like it's evil, and I don't understand why it's not banned immediately. But uh, that's yeah. just my view. Well, there's, there's, there's a reason that in Warhammer it is. Should it's be heresy. Yeah, really should be. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's so. Every time, in I, now. every time I see an AI image, I feel like it's kind of so soulless and kind of. What well, is like, no, it's, <laughs> it's literally. It's creepy. It's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The the thing is the 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 thing is the question of what art is for is something that a lot of people don't actually ever ask themselves. It's all just presupposed. But the very mm -hmm. the very nature of art is the transmission of a message from one person to another, and so that no matter what the message is, there's always some aspect of like soul in it, right? Whereas mm -hmm. with AI art, of course, there can never be any aspect of soul in it because there's no message being transmitted. The computer is just receiving instructions and doing them the best it thinks it can do. So there's always going to be that emptiness to it. Coney says, if woke is liberal, why don't they fear Demestra and Schmidt? Uh, they don't know who they are. Um, I feel like some aspects of the left internalized Schmidt in the nineties, but they've probably forgotten that now. You know, uh, there, there are there. You are actually right. You know, um, there are more references to Heidegger than I would expect yeah. uh, in a lot of this stuff. Um, there's a book called "Towards a Political Philosophy of Race" that begins by framing itself around Heidegger, which again, like I first read this years ago, and I didn't get the significance of it then. But I've gone back to reading it now, and now it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Joshua Beebe says a replacement for liberalism needs a name. Yeah, it, it does. That's that's true. I don't have one. He, he says John Rawls is more responsible for today's problem than anyone admits. His max mining idea created the moral bedrock of affirmative action. Probably true, yeah. yeah. John John Rawls was very influential in Oxford. I remember yep. when I was when I was there, a lot of the professors were Rawlsians, like self-admitted. They didn't yeah, they yeah. introduce themselves as Rawlsians, you know. So. Yeah. Well, R Rawls is the liberal philosopher of the twentieth century. Belfast Knight says, "Trump to the Anglo Wasp vote." I love Locke. He's my best teacher. Very, <laughs> big, very big. I know. I know. We could have been best friends, him and I. <laughs> yeah. If Trump knew who Locke was, he'd definitely be like, "Oh yeah, we're buddies." He wrote good books. He wrote the good, he wrote the best. He books. wrote the best books. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite John Locke book, uh, Donald? Best, best of John Locke. O two Tom says woke is biological. Liberalism is just a vehicle. 
So um, I, I don't I don't think you necessarily disagree with that, Carl. No, not necessarily. No, I, th I think there's an aspect that all philosophy is self-confession. Like Nietzsche, I think is right on that. You know, all philosophy is confession. Um, but then, essentially, you're not really having a conversation anymore, and you're just using it, looking for an excuse to dismiss something. But that's not really how argumentation works. So, you know, even if that is true, we're still going to engage with these things like we always do because that's what humans do. Ut Vara says the first affirmative action was for Indian untouchables. It was forced by the British Empire. The same for global anti-slavery drive by the British Navy. By the British Navy, proto wokeness. Oh God, we're not going to be like anti-slavery as woke, are we? Ah uh, well, that's oh fuck's sake! Yeah. That's, that's an argument that they that uh, various people have tried to put to me before. Uh, <laughs> what being against being a slave and slavery. well i mean when i've argued with people like semiogog and stuff on this i you know you just, they always try to say oh yeah woke started with the british planning slavery <laughs> you know, um, or something like this so that the same well, the same kind of egalitarian uh, impetus logic is behind that so it obviously maybe. Kind of, something I, th like I that. think the english have always had a really severe prejudice against slavery um so well, I mean, my, my understanding on that, if we if we want to get into it a little bit, is yeah. that slavery was actually banned in 1107 or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, William the Conqueror um, banned it. And... Um, well, he banned the slave trade anyway. And so, so because slavery was banned in England, if a slave set foot on English soil, yeah. he would become free. Yeah, uh, because so there was this... Wilberforce judgment. Because there was this contradiction on the books... It was then that was the way in basically for the abolitionists to say like well how can this be that a man comes to england and is free and yet we're selling them as slaves halfway across the world that was yeah. the logic of it you know so, yeah, yeah that's wilberforce isn't it <clears throat> so i guess the real man to blame for woke is william the conqueror <laughs> well no william the conqueror only the slave trade to make money um he he banned the slave trade simply because he could extract uh, impound the property of the slavers. It wasn't through moral means. Um, it was because it was just something that made money. Um, but the, the there's always been this like in the concept of the rights of Englishmen. There's always been an in, an implicit hatred of slavery. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I guess you could call it an English prejudice. Like the institution of slavery, not the practice of being a slave. Obviously, everyone hates being a slave. Coney, well, that's debatable too. Well, okay, if you read, if you okay, read, okay, their, okay, 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 okay. If you read their actual like, yeah, I did actually read them. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's really interesting. I can't remember what the name of that museum is, but there's a what? there's a disclaimer on it. It says like, listen, when you read these like slave narratives you'll yeah. notice that a lot of people are quite rosy about it remember slavery is evil guys when you're reading this because you know <laughs> weird that they need that warning isn't it weird it really is. like um, all warnings to have um ml print <laughs> don't ML forget that slavery is bad once you've read the accounts of the slaves guys yeah i mean it, it literally says something like oh don't forget they could be nostalgic they could have been giving yeah. people the answers they wanted blah 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 yeah, blah, yeah. blah but yeah no, uh, no. But what's, what, what I found really interesting about the slave narratives is that all of them were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard that some slaves got treated really badly. And then they're like, oh, how did your master treat you? Oh, my master was nice. 
Like, yeah, a lot of a lot of the worst things were second or third hand or tales yeah. that have been around, like over on that plantation over there. Yeah, you know, the the, the master over there did the whipping or whatever. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, but but generally they were all like, my master's quite nice actually. It's like that's a weird thing to say, isn't it? That's mm. weird. Uh, what, what, one of the most fascinating books that you can read actually is a is a pro slavery book called yeah, Cannibals is. All um by george fitzhugh where he literally argues that this is a really interesting book because it kind of um he actually says that the english working class are masterless men and that the the, the slaves in america are much more moral and much more kind of upstanding and so on yeah. because they uh you know because they have kind of proper proper guidance whereas the um the english workers who were masterless yeah. were prone to drunkenness and debauchery and so on and so forth it's just kind of an interesting argument that's all i'm not saying yeah. i agree with it it's just uh, one to read Do you know what i found time. really interesting about the slave narratives is just how much they had to eat like they yes. you know they yes. they're giving like the amount of food they had oh we always had ham and molasses and i'm like fucking hell i didn't always have ham and molasses well, i i have a in 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 the archives, I think I still think this is not behind the paywall. It's free to watch. I've got um, a video where I compare nineteenth-century workers' wages um, to the nutritional income, the nutritional intake of slaves um, yeah. in the nineteenth century. Like literally, the nineteenth-century worker and the nineteenth-century slave. Yeah. And um, this was the video that caused Adam and Sitch to go crazy, if you remember. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it is really interesting. They actually had a better diet. Yeah. They had yeah. a better diet. Yeah. But um, I'm pretty sure they'd say something like, well, that speaks to America's wealth as a continent. And it's like, yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, I mean, they, they were given license to supplement what they were given already mm -hmm. with uh, game and Garden. fishing. And like they could go and. They were actually free to go and get other food as well as what they would get. But don't forget, I mean, <laughs> yeah. think about this now, right? You get a house, you get, um, you know, you get on sell food, slavery to me. You get. Uh, I'm just saying, you get a lot of stuff. Right? <laughs> you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, Carl. I'm only joking. I will. Yeah. <laughs> Carl says, <laughs> "Quashy must be made to work, Mill." That's a reference to Thomas Carlyle, who also had a famous argument with john stuart mill over uh it was actually about the abolition of slavery in haiti and there was a colony next yep. near haiti and um this became a massive thing in britain all the liberals like mill were like oh yeah we must abolish it there yeah and carl i was like no this is going to be a disaster like haiti um and you know left to his own devices he's just gonna not he's just gonna stop farming so yeah you know you need to be forced to be free. <laughs> That's yeah. his argument. I mean, you can take or leave Carlisle if you want. Um, I've never ML. read him, actually. I've never read him. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's some... There's some the, the one to start with, Carl, which you would like, is uh, yeah. an essay of his called Model Prisons, where he's um, he's literally going around a Victorian prison. I imagine, right. imagine him like a Victorian Peter Hitchens or something. Yeah, yeah. He's I going around this Victorian prison. prison and he's saying, like, these conditions are too good. This is like yeah. a fucking luxury here. You know, yeah. why aren't they being Based. whipped? Why, like, and it's, it's amazing. 
It's literally get back to the workhouses, you know. It's, it's did, did I ever tell you about when my wife and I visited Oxford for some reason, and we went round this old Victorian prison, and obviously some middle class white woman is showing us around, uh, being like, "Oh, look, they 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 arrested and locked up this fifteen year old for three months because she stole from this shop," and everyone's like, "Oh my god, that's so terrible!" And I just was like, "Yeah, good," and they were like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, really?" It's like, "Yeah," because that's the punishment for stealing. You know, like, like, and then they were like, "Oh, they made them do hard labor." I was like, "What do they have to do?" And it's like they had to wash towels. It's like, okay, so <clears throat> she stole something from a shop, and she went to jail for three months or two months or whatever it was, and she had to wash towels during that time. That's not exactly the worst thing that can happen to a person, is it? You know, like it's not like they chopped off her fucking <clears throat> hand or something. What one of, one of the most basic things in that Carlisle essay? Is uh, that he, he has this whole bit on justice and he says, like, listen, you know, there's this whole debate at the minute, you know, should um, should a prison be for rehabilitation or for it, should it be for retribution? retribution? He's like, everybody, everybody, he's like, all of this is gay. Uh, mm. Justice is revenge against the evil. <laughs> it's, just kind of, it's just so based. <laughs> I totally agree. I'm so I, 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 reservation I, I, when it comes the... to Sorry, go on. You, you probably get on well if you read the the latter day pamphlets where that is just his rants are incredible. But, uh, but anyway. things, I'm so off the reservation from the liberal perspective of justice at this point. It's like, oh well, you know, we need to rehabilitate. It's like, what do you mean rehabilitate? They're a fucking criminal. We need to make sure they 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 feel pain. That's what they need: pain, physical pain. ML printer. The history of prisons is interesting. I think it was. Um, they the people who usually get blamed for it are the Quakers, because before before the Quakers kind of had this idea of uh, retributive justice oh, or whatever, to save man's soul. It it was all about uh, just the people were just either thrashed or hung or hung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, back in the old days. Yeah. Um, ML Printer says, "Did Carl finish reading the Camp of the Saints?" Thoughts? Oh yeah. You can't put Camp of the... Have you ever read Camp of the Saints? No, I haven't. No, no. Oh, do it. it you can't put it down, right? The, so, um, I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote it. Um, what the fuck's the guy? Oh, I can't remember his name. But um, I, I, I don't know anything is, else. Is it Camus? Camus? No, no, it's not Camus. Oh. It's, no, no, it's some... It's another guy. Um, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if that. you Google it, you can find it here. Um, right. But Camp of the Saints is compelling right because of the writing style of the guy so it begins it, and essentially what it is is the john raspail that's it yeah yeah raspail um so what it, it begins with um the invasion itself and there's a fucking communist who walks up to this old traditional professor's house and the the great ships have just arrived that bear like you know five million or a million indians or whatever it is and uh, this communist is like, hey, yeah, this is revenge against you. These people are going to take over and we're going to have equality and all human rights and everything's going to be great. And you're fucked. Your world is over. And so the old professor mm. just goes into his house, gets his shotgun and blasts him. And then he sits down and starts uh, eating dinner at his table with a completely clean conscience. And it's like, OK, that's a great start <laughs> to any novel, right? So the old trad professor just blasts a communist. But the, the whole thing's written with this kind of madcap style in which mm -hmm. shit is going down. Like in the whole imperial order, 
the, the racially supreme, the racial supremacist order is collapsing. And in the collapse, all of the bureaucrats and officials and administrators and the military and the police, they don't know what to do because the value system that they upheld and what told them right from wrong is just gone. And so now all men are equal and everyone's the same. And, you know, it's the, the pure liberalism has arrived. And so everyone's panicking because literally in Africa, in China, which was still very backwards at this time, in India, like millions of them are just getting on these vast fleets and sailing towards Europe. But of course, that that takes months. And so the story takes part of the in, in the process of this looming, like like it's like the Tyranids are arriving in the Imperium mm. or something like the looming threat of this giant devouring biomass that is being uh, put across. And like at one point, this Greek um, submarine commander, I think it is, shoots uh, one of the fleets and he becomes a pariah. Right. And so at the end, you've got like a series of little pariahs, who have, a, a small cadre of pariahs who have tried to stand up for tr what is traditionally right and been totally exiled by the society. Um, and then eventually they get there and they just, you know, the human tide just starts destroying France. Uh, and it's it's honestly one of those things where it's like, right, that was vaguely prophetic, wasn't it? How, how do you get hold of this when it's like 250 I just quid? got a PDF. Like, like oh, to get a printed good. copy costs you like 200 quid or something. Yeah, okay. Has it been banned or it's just not not out? It's just not reprinted, I think, because it's okay. a racist book. I see. I mean, right. it, it is a racist book as well. You can't really argue that point. <clears> but but it's, it's, not, it's not evil in the way that like the people who critique it would make it sound. What it is really is a is a is a critique of the liberalization, the, the final victory of liberal values to render each human the same and fungible. And the reality is that actually there are different hygiene standards in France and in India, right? And different standards of morals and mores and, and the quality of life that produces. But there's no will to be able to fight against it once the values have kind of Un unleashed themselves across these empires. And so the empires collapse under the weight of trying to be good people according to liberalism. Um, final... Seconds, sorry. Yeah. This is the last super chat anyway, so I might as well read it out. Uh, he says, I love this AI art of blacks doing everything in history at the comment sections. People defending this overturning of the narrative for truth. Sorry about that. What were you saying? Ben Frail said, I love this AI art of blacks doing everything in history in the comment sections, people defending this overturning of the narrative for truth. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, if blacks have actually been the masters of history all along, aren't we the oppressed ones? I wonder what Derek Bell makes of all that. Is he still with us? <laughs> yeah, well, Derek, Derek Bell would unironically say something along the lines of, why the fuck are we appropriating their history? Uh, that yeah. makes us look um, like we don't have a history of our own. Base Derek Bell. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he, was, he was pretty hardcore. This is my conclusion for this stream that Derek Bell is underrated. <laughs> I, he was a clever man. Like, there's no, yeah. no doubting it. He's dead, by the way. He died in yeah, of course. 2011, age 80. So. Yeah. Oh, all right. And I think that is... Uh, it for the super chat so thank you very much for all of those um 
Carl, anything exciting upcoming? Um, yeah, we got loads of stuff coming up this year, but actually, I can't spoil any of it. So um, you'll 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 probably know about it when it happens because it's going to be um, interesting stuff. Um, but basically, I'm going to be launching a big philosophical attack on uh, science later on. <laughs> right? Okay. Because uh, I've decided I fucking hate science, and uh, actually, I want to return to the Stone Age. Okay. All right. Um, I, mean, I, am, least, I am obviously exaggerating that somewhat. At least but... scientism, right? Scientism. No, no, science. Yeah, yeah, I science. didn't misspeak. Okay, I don't. Science misspeak. itself. Okay, all right. Yeah, when all I, right. when I say I'm launching an attack on science, I mean the scientific method. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I look forward to it then. Uh, look forward to it. Um, I will. I will just remind people. Unpopular opinions is on tomorrow night. We'll be talking about some. News from rank punditry. I do pick up my horses. Uh, I think Mark is making a, his a, a return after a long, Wait, a long Mark absence. You know, Mark, 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 Mark um, not so obvious. Yeah, yeah, that, right. Okay, that, cool. Well, yeah, you, you and, say um, the thing is saying Mark, Mark's a really common name. Eh? Oh, I know sorry, lots yeah. of Marks, so um, and then I think my buddy Nomad. Who actually went on Lotus Eaters? Dissident Nomad. Uh, he oh, went yeah, on, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He yeah, went Dan, on. Uh, Dan got him on. He went on with Dan. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, think that is on the podcast with me. That's the panel for tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to talk. We'll probably talk about uh, Gemini AI, AI Begum, Mogbin, Mogbin, Just as a quick was, thing, what's your yeah. bead on the Shemima Begum stuff? I mean, I, I I just think the Tories are, are good. They're going for the zero seats, aren't they? Zero seats. Yeah, basically. that's exactly what Dan said. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Like, I, I just can't get over Peter Hitchens' position on it and Mog's position. It's just like, no, no, no. Look, you know, we've just got to get this Islamist woman in. We just have to. We have to. Or Britain's over. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, nothing changes if she just stays over there. And they're like, well, she doesn't have citizenship anywhere else. It's like, well, I looked up the Bangladeshi Constitution actually, and on, Bang on the Bangladeshi Constitution, it's also it's obviously just sanguineous is the primary method of getting citizenship in Bangladesh. So she absolutely can fucking. Sorry, I'm not going to go on. It's just, I I just don't understand this boomerism about it. But like, my understanding is that it's a it's illegal to be stateless. So that she won't, if, yeah, exactly. She won't be stateless though, because by Bangladeshi law, she has a claim because of her blood. Yeah, so they have to take her. So yeah. get to Bangladesh. So go to your human rights lawyer. Go get Sadiq Khan, and yeah. uh, get the fuck over there. You know. Mm. I don't know. I feel like I mean, you know what I say? Uh, power, power act, and it justifies after. I can't help but wonder if Morgan Hitchens and them kind of know what's going to happen, and they're just trying to get ahead of the game because she's well, going to come. Hang, hang, she's what, going to come back, is what I'm saying. She's going yeah, to I'm not win saying she team. won't come back, obviously. Yeah. But what? What? Like, like? What? What is the benefit? Why would power be like? No, we have to have this one Bangladeshi girl back. I don't know because I, I think over. I think they're worried about if you can deport one, then you can. Yeah. Support many. That's a great point. We should sell that to the British public. So they're wor they're worried about setting the precedent of oh, if we can do it this one time, we can do it many other times too. But, 
Peter, you're constantly complaining that Britain's being destroyed. Well, this is one of the reasons it's being destroyed. And this is the golden ticket to not destroying Britain, isn't it? Well, you know... Don't you want your grandchildren to have a country to live in, Peter? I feel I feel like... Uh, honestly, it, sometimes I wonder, as long as the likes of Hitchens and Morg are about with their, you know... Oh, temperance and mercy and charity. Where you find yeah, I'm not a heart. Christian. And until we get rid of that element in conservatism, we're going to lose every single time. Because well, the they, they just won't play friend enemy, will they? So. It, it's not even that, though. That's the problem. Like, what I think this is, is they've got this kind of, like, archaic view of the value of British citizenship. And so I think, and they always go, well, if the state can remove it from one person, it's like, yeah, it can and should in this particular case. But why should it in the case of, you know, Joe Bloggs, who lives like just, you know, down Old Town Road or whatever, who mm -hmm. who's like, you know, great, 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 great grandfather was a squire to, you know, Henry II or something. You know, why would they do mm. it to that person? You know, like you're acting like this is just going to be <laughs> used to kick Tommy Robinson off the cliffs of Dover or something, which obviously isn't going to happen. You know, there's a, there's an actual reason for this. I, I feel like our governing class has completely misjudged the mood of the nation. That's what, well, that's yeah. my feeling. And yeah. that if uh, Starmer comes in, there could be, there could be some trouble down the line. They need, they need to allow all the Tommies of this world, but yeah, yeah. all the people who watch your show and this show, and there needs yeah. to be events. Give them Nigel, give them something because yeah. at the minute they are, we're cruising to a situation where about a third of the public are completely disenfranchised. Yeah. I mean, zero political representation for the English in their own political system. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. So, I mean, I'm just trying to give my, I try to give my advice to GCHQ and MI5 for free. Oh, it's crazy. Just, just if you want to stabilize the system, do a bit of the old classic containment because the way they're going at the minute, people are going to start. People are really, the mood is different now than it was yeah. even a year ago. People yeah. have had enough. They really have. Yeah. So, anyway, Carl, thank you very much. Well, uh, it's uh, my pleasure. LotusEaters.com. I'll be back tomorrow night to do buy my courses. But most importantly of all, ladies and gentlemen, get out. What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! Well, that's easily fixed.